got married and I didn't want to get married, but I was given an ultimatum by my parents Why you after got they married? unrolled me from college. Why you got like, married? <laughs> um, were you in love or like just because your your age or you were like I felt like it was a range. Pressure. My parents picked who I married. Um, when you asked was I bullied, it wasn't by my peers. It was usually adults in my life that were bullying me. Oh. And I had a severe people pleasing for survival type situation. I didn't pick my wedding gown. I didn't pick my bridesmaids. And my dad leaned in once everyone had kind of left the area waiting for me to, you know, get my introduction to go up and walk down the aisle. He said, "If you leave, you run out and you get in that limo and leave right now, I won't be mad at you." And I was physically scared and turned to him and said if i do she will kill both of us to put it in better perspective the night before my wedding i didn't have a bachelorette party i was 20 years of age and i started out as donating my artwork to help mm -hmm. raise money for their scholarship okay. and the scholarship is for african-american children or african-american adults to go to college the art institute so And art is big in my life because that was a source of creativity that allowed my inner child to just be free. Mm. Actually got involved with the African American Culture Club in Kansas City. I've been involved with other nonprofits mainly as a consultant. There was one other that I helped uh from the ground up and actually helped pay into getting the 50C3. Uh it was Comedians Against Bullies. Um and that was where we were going to elementary schools teaching young children how to deflect and discourage bullying. I enjoy helping people. I do more consultation now than I did ever. So how you got started? Uh do you remember the day when you started, you know, as an artist? You are now a stand-up comedian, you perform, uh you do a lot of thing related to art, related to NGOs. Uh you took a step of uh, stepping out and you know, taking care of people, you know. Uh that's that's very uh, brilliant and smart and brave thing to do when you go through all those stuff. but uh do you remember the day one of you as an artist you know that moment you decided to yeah i'm going to do this and this is the one thing i love can you share about it sure i got into comedy by accident um i had recently gone through a divorce from my ex-husband and one of his associates was curious as to what was going on in our relationship as to why we were divorcing and okay. i I finally like broke down and told him about it and after I told him all the problems that had occurred during our marriage um I look up and I realize he is in tears but not of sadness he is cracking up and he he apologizes profusely to me okay. stating it's not what I said it's how I said it um mm -hmm. I died a little on the inside but he found it hilarious Thereafter he invited me to a social event and I wasn't aware of the crowd in which he was inviting me to but it was full of promoters and um shot callers basically. Okay. So I attend after he asked me and I I made him promise he wasn't going to just leave me over in a corner with a bunch of people I didn't know and he said he wasn't going to do that and that's exactly what he did. Um my personality is as a defense mechanism I tell jokes. Okay. So that's how I got into comedy. The people were cracking up laughing. It became a bet. One of the promoters said, "I bet you can't do that on stage." Okay. And I said, "Put your money where your mouth is." So that's how I ended up in comedy. Um and the story I told once I got on stage, not knowing how to prepare for that role, 
uh, was the fact that I was working downtown in corporate America. I had a Ralph Lauren suit on with stiletto heels. Okay. Um, when working downtown, mm -hmm. you can't carry a purse per se because it's not that you know safe. So I had a 30-pound book bag on with this suit and stilettos. Mm. I slipped on some gravel and fell face face I face planted into the dirt. Um people thought that I had been hit by a car. Oh. No, I just had a concussion because the book bag had came down on the back of my head. Okay. Uh, when I came to the firefighters were, you know, working on me and I thought I was looking cute, not realizing I had gravel all <laughs> over my face. So I tried to wink slowly with one oh, eye shit. and um I told that story on stage. It was a great success. Awesome, awesome. I can imagine now. I can imagine. Complete. <laughs> the two comedians that I opened up for was Brother Man and Coco Brown. So Brother Man off of Martin Lawrence TV show mm -hmm. and Coco Brown, who works heavily with, um, what is his name? Oh, I can't think of it right now. Well, both of those artists afterwards, they asked me how long I had been doing comedy. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. truthful. I said, 15 minutes. Awesome. They laughed and they said, you're a natural, stick <laughs> with it. And they kind of guided my career in the very beginning stages. Got it. it, it it's... <laughs> That's how I got into comedy. Awesome. Can we put it into dark comedy or something? Like uh, when the life is completely like sh shattered up and then you use that as a source to, you know, uh, putting things into places and people bursting up laughing. So oh, how, how now we are going to talk more on it. Just hold on. Just hold on. Now, thank you for telling me all these things, you know. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, so here's, here's, here's another thing I'd like to know. As you told me about your divorce and the whole thing. That's that's really terrible thing to happen. Uh, but uh, can you take us back to your childhood days? How were you as a kid? You know, how were you as a, a kid growing up in the school days? Then, you know, in a teenage uh, were you studious? What was your family situation? You lack in financial uh, incomes and all. What was it? Tell me about your childhood phase. Uh, my childhood was very different from most. I grew up in a two-parent household, middle-class family. Um, was very outgoing. Um, mm -hmm. But from the outside looking in, it was perfect. Having lived through it, it wasn't perfect. Um, I... I was in a lot of sports, a lot of activities. I was with the National Honor Society. Okay. Um, I I did it all. I traveled performing. Um, I had been dancing traditional ballet since age two. Mm -hmm. I graduated from Pacil Academy of Fine and Performing Arts. Mm -hmm. uh, dance major, a minor in theater and visual arts. So my creativity was able to be expressed. Um, right. I was a an AKA debutante. Okay. Um, so I, I did a lot. I had a lot of uh, fun, but at the same time, I realized everything wasn't roses. Um, mm, mainly because, it. like, I remember my first job that didn't include babysitting. Um, when I told my parents I was going to get a job, they mm -hmm. didn't want me to get one. And okay. I was told that if you get a job, we're not going to assist you in picking you up and dropping you off. Oh. And me being a teenager that I am, I'm one of those people. I'll figure out a problem mm -hmm. and get the resolution. So I ended up going to a job interview with uh, the guy that I was talking to at the time. You know how you have those crushes that you're interested in. So you're hanging out with them. Yeah. And he had a job interview and he asked me to come along with him. 
awesome. for good luck. I came along with him. He did get his job, but I ended up getting hired on making more money than him. Oh. <laughs> so that ended our relationship because oh, that shit. was a big oh, strike shit. to his ego. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. he was he was hurt. Not only did I get hired on at his job, but I was making more money than him. And I had a heck of a lot more hours than him. So wow. you use this set in your in your stand up. Have you used this set in your stand? -up? I've never talked about my family <laughs> or my childhood. The only person okay. I have talked about was my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't in a bad way, even though we are mortal enemies. Oh, okay, 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 got it. uh so 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 now tell me about uh how were you uh, now i'm talking about mentally uh, prepared you mental health related thing uh, how was your mental uh, like situation as a student as a kid were you uh, bullied or were you bullying people or were you uh, like very athletic playing singing uh, athletic or as i heard you more artistic but uh, how was how were you as a kid like you know you were crying all the time are you backing yourself up pulling yourself up uh like no you got it you got it you got it you got it how were you as a kid in the school period you know that is very like constructive phase of any kid as an artist uh, so that particular phase really matters to next 20 30 years so tell me about it as a kid okay as a kid to go back to that story what i brought up about having my first job and my parents not wanting me to have it and saying they weren't going to support me in that and mm -hmm. how i did get the job yeah um I worked open to close because it was at an amusement park, a local amusement park. So mm -hmm. summer job, I came in and I worked literally seven days a week open okay. to close because I prefer to be there versus at home. Mm. And to put it in perspective, my mental, I was very gullible and sheltered. Okay. I was very trusting, a little too trusting. My mm. checks, even though I had an account that was a Johnny Appleseed at a credit union, my mother and father would take me to go have my physical payday check. And they told me to deposit into my account. I had to sign it over to them, pay to the order of. Okay. okay. And I oh. thought that was literally how you cashed your checks. Oh. I wasn't allowed to spend any of my money. Um, they told the entire family that they purchased uh, my high school stuff, mm -hmm. like my class ring, my letterman, and my yearbook, my senior book, stuff like that. and i'm starting to reflect back as an mm. adult to think that came out of the money that i was signing over to them oh. instead of them depositing into my savings account with the credit union um that must have been tough i grew up um i got married and i didn't want to get married but i was given an ultimatum by my parents why you got they married? enrolled me from college why you got like, married <laughs> like uh, were you in love or like just because your your age or you were like I felt like Because it was a range. Pressure. My parents picked who I married. Um This happened in US? Yes. And oh. I'm African American. This is why I say my upbringing and my life story is not typical like, you know, of most people. Mm. Right. Okay. Got it. You would have thought it was a movie the way things happen. No, no, no. I, I don't I don't. For me for like, me like uh, look, talking to people from US uh, like I'm doing it from last two years, okay? So I uh, I am collaborating with artists from last two years around 200 250 to 300 artists i been collaborating that's why i know the culture you talking like your parents choosing that was kind of because that is that's something that happens in india you know the arranged marriage situation this is something that i've heard for the first time that's why i talk because uh, you know i 
talking to people from United States and Texas, LA, California is very normal for me at this moment because I'm doing this show, you know, that's how we connected because that's how uh, uh, Shavin told you about me. But this is like, I got, okay, this kind of thing happens in India, you know, the arranged marriage situation. For you, that's why I got surprised, you know. You kind of have high school, uh, high school, like, you know, crushes, then you get married or you choose people, date people, then you get married. And that's how the culture in U.S. is. That's why I got surprised. But okay, got it. Uh, you told me. Obedient. Yeah, yeah, go on. Go on. <laughs> no, I was very obedient. And so when you asked my mental, mm -hmm. um, I didn't see what was done to me as a child from my parents and mm -hmm. the other adults in my life. When you asked, was I bullied? It wasn't by my peers. It was usually adults in my life that were bullying me. Oh. And. I had a severe people pleasing for survival type situation. Mm -hmm. um, even with my now ex spouse, okay, it was he was besties with my mother. This man tried to kill me, and he was best friends with my mother. He was also eight years older than me. Okay, my parents knew his age. Okay, I didn't pick my wedding gown. I didn't pick my bridesmaids. I actually showed up at my wedding on my wedding day and in the basement of the church with my father was playing air basketball and Tetris. And my dad leaned in once everyone had kind of left the area waiting for me to, you know, get my introduction to go up and walk down the aisle. He said, if you leave, you run out and you get in that limo and leave right now, I won't be mad at you. And I was physically scared and turned to him and said, if I do, she will kill both of us. I felt like my mother would have killed me and my father. To put it in better perspective, the night before my wedding, I didn't have a bachelorette party. I was 20 years of age. I had 12 bridesmaids, a maid of honor, four, um, no, I had two ring bearers, okay. two flower girls, mm -hmm. and nobody took me out. I ended up babysitting all of the teenagers, my younger siblings, and taking them to the mall. Okay. Mm, so that's, that's really terrible. I had a lot hear. of trauma. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Got it, got it. So you started your comedy career after surviving domestic violence. You know, uh, how has comedy helped you heal, heal and overcome that difficult period in your life? So uh, domestic violence is the one thing that I also take a stand on. You know, I'm associated with Anna's House Shelter. It's also in Texas, run by Eva Miles. So uh, this is something that I am also taking a step on from last two years. But uh, tell me about like uh, that period and how comedy is the one thing that is healing that phase. It gave me the opportunity to bring joy to other people, the joy that I was lacking in my own personal life at that time. Because mm -hmm. um, people would look at me and they'd be like, well, you have both your parents. You grew up, you knew your father. You mm -hmm. had a male figure in your home. Um, I had a lot of uh, uncles and, and pawpaws. Okay. Like I literally come from a family that had more men for the longest until they started dying off due to age, <laughs> you know? So I, I grew up with the male counterpart, so I didn't fit the cookie cutter mold of someone getting up on stage with daddy issues, talking about their life in a joking format. Um, more so, I got up on stage and I talked about me harassing my ex-husband during our marriage. Um, I, I started out in doing Christian comedy, but they didn't pay. Secular didn't pay as much as non-secular. Mm -hmm. So I switched over and started doing more of the raunchier jokes. 
um, and gaining more traction in my career, but it gave me an outlet and it made me feel free. When I traveled, it gave me that freedom from feeling like I was trapped. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. Oh, no. So, do, okay. First of all, thank you for sharing. Uh, you know, even imagining that phase, uh, that healing phase, that's that's also, you know, imagining that particular phase, that's also tough for you. Uh, you came, you survived from it. You survived that. I, I can imagine, completely imagine, you know, um, this kind of thing is con continuously. I'm also involved in meeting those people, uh, like same people going through homelessness or going through domestic violence. I can imagine that. And that's why I asked like, uh, okay, you're using comedy to heal it up, you know, to make a joke, make a fun that will put it into, you know, lighter part. That will... So my career in my funniness, people assumed one thing when it was really another in all aspects. I even bought my children with me when I would do stage gospel stage plays. I'd get cast. Mm -hmm. uh, for these gospel stage plays. And what was funny is my children learned how to read by helping me learn my lines. They play the other characters in the plays and um, they'd be right there. Those were my biggest supporters without my children. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to sustain and keep moving the way I did. So uh, uh, you, what inspired you to become a board member of KCAACC? And got involved with uh, nonprofit organizations in your community. You know, being part of NGOs, uh, the inspiration behind it. What was it like? Was it the domestic violence or anything else strike you? It was the fact that I started out as donating my artwork to help mm -hmm. raise money for their scholarship, okay. and the scholarship is for African American children or African American adults to go to college, the Art Institute. So. And art is big in my life because that was a source of creativity that allowed my inner child to just be free. Mm -hmm. So that's how I initiated, um, actually got involved with the African-American Culture Club in Kansas City. I've been involved with other nonprofits, mainly as a consultant. There was one other that I helped uh, from the ground up, actually helped pay into getting the 50C3. Uh, it was Comedians Against Bullies. Um, and that was where we were going to elementary schools, teaching young children how to deflect and discourage bullying, how to handle it, and then take the power away from bullies by showing them that if their opinion of, from that person doesn't matter to them, then it doesn't hurt. It doesn't bother them as much as they would allow. Had they not known that information ahead of time, they would have been like, oh, no, they don't want to be my friend. And, oh, it's the end of kindergarten. And it's the end of first grade. And we're like, do you even like them? No. Yeah. So does it matter if you're their friend? Mm -hmm. No. I said. Got it. So we, I think the oldest children we worked with was like, I think, sixth or seventh grade, helping okay. them mm -hmm. figure that out. Um, but I enjoy helping people. I do more consultation now than I did ever um, and have ever done. Um, people will ask me the most random stuff and I don't know where I'm pulling it from, but I know the answers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and they, then I asked them like, why do you trust me? They said, I don't mm. know. I just felt like you would know the answer and you did. So yeah. I went with my gut and I'm like, okay. <laughs> awesome. 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 Thank you for sharing. Uh, tell me about the parenting thing, you know, uh, how's experience and how's your experience of being with kids, being a parent? How you? I absolutely adore my children and I mush on them daily if I can. 
Okay. And they're adults now, but I still mush on them and kiss on them and, and love on them. <laughs> and they, it's like they're used to me because they're just like, if I get it out the way, mwah, she, she'll just go on and bounce. And okay. like, how, okay. how old are they? How old are they? <laughs> they're 19, 20, and 21. They're anniversary gifts that keep on giving long after the divorce papers are signed. Okay, wow. Okay. They literally are anniversary gifts. If you understand, we celebrated the exact same way for three years in our marriage and ended up with all three of them having the same due date. Okay. So, yeah, um, I didn't realize it also with my parenting due to the way I was brought up. I chose a, a different way of raising my children. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't aware there was a name for it until recently, and it's called gentle parenting. <laughs> my children actually can count on one hand how many times I had physically disciplined them. And they were like, but we re we needed that because like we knew we messed up. Oh, when yeah. We did that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it took a lot to upset me and it took a lot for me to have to like want to put my hands on you because I have a rule. Mm. I don't discipline when I'm angry or emotional. Okay. I wait until I've had an opportunity to calm down and Do assess right it. Right and right. I talk to them the way I would like to be talked yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, good. Not using anger as, you know, uh, the right. weapon or the thing to, you know, just put it out and put it, throw it out on your kids. Got it. Okay. Okay. So you love it. And they are like 19, 20, 21, like one year after another. Okay. Awesome. I'm nicknamed Mama Chan because there were other children that include nieces and nephews. I was lovingly titled that Mama Chan by my nephew. And then there's mm. children in the community that I helped throughout the years that, um, call me Mama Sean. I had even once where it was uh, a three children that I didn't even know per se. Mm -hmm. um, they had called up their uncle and their uncle called my sister and she called me. That's how I got in contact with these three children. And the oldest of the three, okay. she had gotten on the phone. And she said, Mama Sean, nobody wants us. Can we come stay with you? So I took in those three. After I asked my children, I said, hey, is it okay if we let some other kids come live with us for a little bit? And they were like, sure. I said, now you sure? Because they're going to be eating your snacks, wearing your clothes, and playing with your <laughs> toys. And my children were like, mega sleepover. And oh, they, wow. they, they welcomed it. Wow. Uh, another awesome. child that I ended up bringing in was 13-year-old. Her mother had told her she had to pay for her own feminine products. Now, what can a 13-year-old do legally to pay for feminine products and to cover her own needs? So I allowed the 13-year-old to come stay mm. with me. And I let her update my website, re-up on my merchandise, and I paid her. I also offered for her to babysit my children, even though I never left her alone with them. I still paid her to babysit. Wow. And then when I took her plus my three plus the other three that I did not know that well, um, because their parents had gone through a divorce and neither parents wanted the children at the time, um, I took them all to the movies and paid all the teenagers' ways. Um, still let them get paid their money for babysitting, even though they didn't wow. babysit, and let them enjoy their childhood. Um, yeah, I had, I've always had a, a household. I even had like nine kids living with me in a two bedroom apartment at once. <laughs> and I've never been on government assistance and I wasn't getting well, any type of help from their parents, but they're adults now. And a lot of them still come back and say that was the most happiest moment in their childhood. Mm. So I was nicknamed Mama Sean. Um, a lot of neighborhood kids, I would pay them to make sure other kids didn't bully the children I had in my household. And I had it open to where the children could use my Wi-Fi and I gave them a nice meal without any questions asked. They didn't have to explain to me their situation. I already knew. God, God. That's that's really great of you helping out <laughs> all those kids, you know. 
Uh, yeah, and now now here we come on your name, your artist name. Now here it's like Jenny Jenny Hill. Jenna, how you pronounce it? Jenna Hill. Uh, okay, so you have well, another name, which is like Sean Hill. I introduce yeah. you as Sean Hill. I will be introducing you as a Sean Hill. Tell me about why, what's the thing with artist name. Okay, so my legal name is Lashonda Janae Hill. Okay. My artist name is Sean Hill. And um, it's something I picked up when I was like 18. People were mm -hmm. calling me Sean, mm -hmm. but I spelled it the Irish way, S-E-A-N. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because when I actually got into comedy, I kept that nickname. Okay. But that nickname had me in places where I'd be the only brown person on stage or in the green room. And that's because they thought I was a Caucasian Irishman. <laughs> Sean, S-E-A-N, Hill, H-I-L-L. Uh, -L. And I was introduced several times at different events as this is the funniest man I've had the opportunity <laughs> to work with. Put your hands together. Oh, Give it up for comedian Sean Hill. Yeah. And then I come out on stage and the oh, audience yeah. just stops clapping and it's dead silent because <laughs> they're trying to figure out if I'm really Sean Hill or oh, yeah. if they're just sexually attracted to me. Am I a man or what? Okay. Oh, wow. So this is the same thing happened to me. I know, uh, you know, uh, by the name Think Media, there's a guy named Sean Cannell. And he has a YouTube channel and he runs all the YouTube business of growing on YouTube and blah, blah, blah. So he has that Think Media thing. That's where I came to know like S-E-A-N is Sean. Okay. And when I came to know about him, okay, it's Sean, but the woman is talking. What's going down? <laughs> What's happening? So then, okay, the same thing happened with me. But yeah, everyone, every, it happens with everyone. Okay. Uh, I got it about, about the name. Now, uh, tell me about writing some fiction book, I guess, you know, um, how do these creative outlets help you express yourself in new ways? But firstly, tell me about uh, you are coming up or you're trying to write out, you're exploring fiction writing. So why and how are you doing it? And how is it helping you to, you know, just like comedy to heal yourself or to put into some another zone? And how is it helping you to heal or make yourself in the world of artists? I I enjoy and love, absolutely love sci-fi. Okay. I love science as a child. I love sci-fi movies because the fantasy, the creativity, that the there are endless wonders. And the way I'm doing this is combining research of actual things or historical with the fantasy aspect and the intangible aspects of um, when you're doing sci-fi. Um, so that story, it's come along pretty well. So how, how um, many pages you did at this moment? I've done a hundred pages so oh far. Oh God, hundred pages! You get time to pages. do this? I I've been working on it for years because I've had to yeah, do that's character right. development. You oh, know, wow, so wow. I have to make it where each individual has their backstory, and then I have to bring it to a point where they all converge on that very moment to which you would pick up in the actual movie versus the book. God. So uh, any inspiration behind what inspired you to write this book down? Literally my life and the weird things that I noticed, the patterns <laughs> that I noticed. Um, Sean and the weird things. <laughs> Let's explore into sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Got it. Tell me about your upcoming projects. What are your upcoming projects? Okay. Well, if I was to gain the finances that are needed, I would like to open up a independent private organization um, that takes in foster children who have siblings of brown and black 
children. Um, right. The reason I say that is because 90% of children in foster care are brown and black, but the homes that they place them in isn't reflective of that. So this will give them the opportunity to stay together if it's healthy, um, because most of those homes that they're placed in cannot accommodate multiple children at once. Um, the program would encompass children ages zero months all the way up to 24. Um, it'd be in phases zero to 16. They're just focusing on just having the most normal childhood possible after being taken out of their homes and stuff. Um, try to give them the education that they need. By the time they're 16 to 18, that's when we start focusing on what's the next step in life. Are they going into corporate America, continuing their education, if they're going to learn a trade or if they're going to be entrepreneurs? Um, we'd have it where if they're accepted into our program, by the time they age out of the system, um, they would actually have a little nest egg that had been saved up for them so that they are able to have something when they get out into the real world um, to kind of help start them off with paying bills, getting a car, whatever it is that they need to use that money for. Um, ages 16 to 24 would be more like a college dorm or college life uh, where they're figuring out adulting. We got teach it. them financial literacy and everything. Got it, got it. Okay. So just just um, go with this uh, normal piece. You're going too fast. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, Tell me about the uh, impact of social media on your life uh, as a career. What kind of things happen and what? how are you taking that as? Okay, as far as social media, I'm more of an old school individual. So it's really been impactful. I've had to learn some new tricks, new ways of marketing myself, um, gathering a larger following. I still haven't figured out how I was able to convince 21,000 people to follow me on one platform and another 12,000 on a different one. Um, I don't dance and I haven't shimmied to show off anything. So this is still a learning process for me as well. But most people are like, you have to post two to three times per day or four to five times per week. And it's not even like that with me. I find that I get a better response when I kind of don't post as frequently because it makes them anticipate or long for, for my information or entertainment when I do post. Got it, got it. Any last message as an artist, use this as a platform you'd like to share uh, with your NGOs and all. So please uh, share last final message where, you know, can kind of sum it up. I, my final message would be, I realized that I am the adult that I would have loved to have been raised by and interacted with as a child. I would have felt safe and encouraged and empowered. And I charge other adults to go out there and be that individual in other people's lives. They don't have to be minors. They can be adults. Um, be encouraging, be uplifting. Um, you don't have to turn a blind eye to the negativity that people are putting out into the world, but please don't contribute to it. Um, add some positivity and love back into the world. Right now, that is what we're really lacking. Um, there's no one with hum really any empathy nowadays. So I'm asking, just as a favor to me, be love. Gotcha. Show some love. Give people some hugs. These people need hugs out here. <laughs> they are lacking that human contact, contact since birth. And yeah. a lot of people have been searching for that intimacy. It's not sexual. It's just wanting to feel safe and cared for in a non-threatening way. And I find so many people that I've worked with would come up and just hug me. And yeah. I'm like, yes, mush on me. I smell good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. So uh, one, one, one more time uh, is like, I just want to tell to everyone who's listening this at this moment, uh, you went through a lot, you know, traumatic childhood, uh, lots of things like 
not in a control of who to marry, who not to marry, went through domestic violence, survived, healed yourself, used comedy as a tool to heal yourself. And then you keep on portraying, uh, you keep on doing all, everything related to comedy, art, you're painting at this moment, you spend eight to 10 hours of day. And I think this is the plan that God had for you. You know, uh, you went through all this just to be strong, just to be the most powerful and the most caring and uh, the most... Uh, uh, like filled with heart, filled with love. And then you are at this moment a mother also. You have three kids and you're taking care of, I don't know how many kids, like 15, 20, 50, 100. Why the NGOs, you're taking care of kids with color, fostering in the foster care, and you're looking out for them. So uh, I think this is the best plan that God had for you, you know, taking care of people. And that's your mission. That's your biggest mission at this moment that uh, whenever it comes to, or you by choosing an art and it taking care of people you chose taking care of people and that's your real mission i wish you all the best for whatever you're going to do uh, just figure out nfts and then you can make a proper business out of your art and the money and yeah in coming years uh, we will see more of your skits your plays and your stand-up comedies at the same time um, nfts people are going to love it because uh, that's where you can gain more funds for your NGOs that you're running for kids and all. So, uh, yeah, your art, at this moment, I'm telling you, your art is going to help fund the kids. Uh, that's the best possible thing. You just need to figure out who are the right people who you can trust and who can help you to do that. You can figure out the monetary benefits within them according to percentage. But here's the one thing I can see happening is your art is going to figure out uh, your monetary benefits and that can figure out funds for the kids, for you and for the family. You just need to figure out who the people are where you can you know share the business, start the business. And that's where things are going to lead you uh, to be established artist and first thing what you do when you're established artist buy a laptop and uh, uh, as 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 fast as you can you know just buy a laptop just buy like just buy mic initially that's what you do when you sell your first art okay and then thank me after that <laughs> okay uh and to, appreciate yeah, thank yeah, you and, and to everyone who who was there who's going to listen this happened with me again uh we record 30 minutes of the interview and we, we did 30 minutes of interview in another session and I forgot to press record. <laughs> and the whole energy that we discussed was more better than this one. But yeah, we forgot to record it. We did a 30 minutes of interview and we did it just by talking to ourselves. And we and I forgot to record. Yeah, that's my bad. That's not my bad. That's like completely, you missed out the best part of the interview because we forget to record it. Because I, I specifically, I forgot to record it. And now we just redid it again. Just putting our best and trying to cheer you up. And to everyone, just go check the show notes. And I am Ajay Thambe and I'm signing off. <laughs>